Thanks for listening to the podcast from Gary Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Wilson, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Good morning, church. Good to see all of you here this morning. We're continuing our series through the book of Habakkuk. We've been going verse by verse through the book of Habakkuk for the past four weeks. And we're in part four now in a series we've entitled God Questions. And this uh, is a little book, only three chapters, but it's uh, a little book, but it has big questions. And it's asking questions of God that these are the kinds of questions that maybe you've asked. And as we've covered these past few weeks, we see Habakkuk asking questions like, how long, Lord, how long before you answer me? I'm crying out to you. And then God gives him an answer, and he doesn't like that answer. So he goes, why, Lord? Why did you say that? Why, why is that what you're doing? And then he begins to wonder, where's God at right now? And he says, you know, where are you, Lord? And these are the kind of questions he's asking. But he's asking them all by faith. He's not questioning God's existence. He's just questioning what's God up to, and he's troubled by it, and he's, he's, he's in pain, and he's suffering some grief, and so he's crying out to God, and throughout the scriptures, we see this. We see it in the book of Psalms. We see it throughout, and, and it's what uh, is called in literature, it's called a lament, and for a believer, lament uh, is crying out to God, but keeping the faith. So you're crying out to God with your questions and your complaints and your concerns, but you're not questioning God's existence. You're just questioning what God's doing because you want to understand. You, you, it's not that you are skeptical of God, that you believe in God, but you're, you're struggling. And that's a lament. And, it, and the key verse of this, of this book, as we've said, is found in chapter 2, where it says, the righteous shall live by faith. And that's the key verse, and that's the verse most quoted in the New Testament that comes from uh, the book of Habakkuk. And, and it's this idea that Habakkuk is praying to God. He's crying out his questions and complaints but he's keeping the faith at the same time. And it reminds me of what Mark Vrogrop says in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Lament is a pathway to praise when life gets hard. Lament, Christian lament, is a pathway to praise when life gets hard. And and so that's what we see in the book of Habakkuk. The whole three chapters together is a lament, and it ends, as all laments in the Scripture do, with praise. And that's where we're at. We're getting up to that section now in chapter 3 uh, where his, his praise is, is evident. Now I wonder, are you hurting today? Are you going through a season of pain and grief today? Maybe grief from a broken relationship. Maybe grief from uh, having lost a loved one. Maybe it's uh, some situation you're in that you're struggling with today that you're wondering, does God even care? Does God care what I'm going through? Uh, or it could be that you had a, a kind of a dream of what your life was supposed to turn out like, like this is what I thought my life would turn, and, and now you feel like your life's a million miles away from that which you dreamed. And you're, and you're starting to ask questions like Habakkuk, like, God, why don't, why don't you intervene in my life? Why am I going through what I'm going through? And as you look at the scripture, you go, where are the miracles? I see all these miracles in your word, like, would you do it again, Lord? And that seems to be what Habakkuk is asking. Lord, I see you, and I see what you've done. I believe in you. Would you do it again? Would you act in my life? Like, uh, like right now, would you move in my life right now? And I wonder today, would you be interested in learning how 
to do what Habakkuk is really teaching us how to do. Would you be interested in learning how to lift up your griefs and your hurts and even your questions like, would you do it again, Lord, to the Lord so that you get real help and, and he turns your pain into praise? Because that's what we're looking at today. The, in the book of Habakkuk, the prophet lifted up his cry to the Lord by faith and he, the Lord turned his lament into praise. And I believe today the Lord wants to do that in your life. He wants to take that which you're crying out to him and turn it into praise and into joy. He wants to turn your pain into praise. Let's look at Habakkuk. We're in chapter 3, and we're going to take uh, two weeks to cover chapter 3. Today we'll cover the first 15 verses, and then we'll save those last few verses. They're so rich until next Sunday. So let's do that, starting at verse 1 of chapter 3. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to Shigianoth. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows, Selah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. Selah. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors. You came like a whirlwind to scatter me rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. This is God's word. We're looking for three ways our lament turns into praise. And the first way is when we worship God for who he is. When we worship God for who he is. Let's make no mistake, as we look at chapter three, we see Habakkuk has moved from from his real questions to more of, of, a, of a time of praise. In fact, he invites all believers to praise God with him. He, he starts with a new title. He began saying that this is an oracle of the prophet Habakkuk in chapter 1, verse 1. The word oracle, we said, could also be translated burden. God's given me a burden, and I've, I'm going to share it with you. And for two chapters, he does that. But now in chapter 3, even though he hasn't had his questions all answered, and even the ones he has had answered, he's not sure he likes the answer. He still decides to say, God, I'm going to worship you anyway. 
Even though I don't completely understand what you're doing, even though I don't even know how I'm going to get through what I'm going through, I'm going to worship you anyway. Well, and you're like, Gary, where's that at? Where do you see the, that he's worshiped anyway? Well, first of all, he calls this last chapter a prayer. Notice that. But really, this is more of a, a psalm than it is a prayer. It's more of a song to be sung. And, and he gives us uh, what we believe in Hebrew is musical notation. We're not even quite sure what some of these words mean. The first one we encounter, we only see it in one other place, and that's in one of David's psalms. It's the word shigianoth which is left untranslated. They just left it in Hebrew because no one's positive of what it means, but we believe it's a musical notation that's basically saying, here's the beat, or here's the, here's the musical instruments, or something like that, like this is how you're supposed to sing this song. And then, then we see three places in what I just read where it says selah, which is another word that they left in the Hebrew because we think it may mean to pause and meditate on what you just sang. But we're not sure about that one. They, they both fall into the category of words used in the Psalms that may have something to do with musical notation. Uh, some that have really looked into the root of the word shigianoth say it could mean to sing it with passionate song or with rapid changes of rhythm. It could be an instruction to how to play the beat. I think mainly, here's what, here's what Habakkuk is saying to us. He's going... Uh, when you sing this one, get shiggy with it, okay? <laughs> just like that, you know? I'm sorry, that was, that was just a granddad joke, wasn't it? But he, it was, when you sing this, sing it as a shiganoth. I know some of you are ashamed of me right now, but I, it was low-hanging fruit, okay? Low-hanging fruit. But he's given instruction. This is a worship song is what he's saying. I've, I've had all these hard questions. I'm really dealing with this, but, but I want to sing this song to the Lord. I want to worship him for who he is. Notice how he begins it in verse 2. He says, oh, Lord, I've heard the report of you. I've heard about you, Lord. I want to sing about you. I want to worship you. And your work, oh, Lord, do I fear. That word fear here has more the sense of not the trembling kind of fear, but more the awe and reverent kind of fear in context here. In fact, in the NIV, it translates it like this, same verse. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I've heard of the report of you. I've heard of your fame. Uh, stand in awe of your deeds. And so the, the sense here is of worship. Lord, when I consider you and I focus on you, it lifts my eyes from my troubles. And I decide I'm going to worship you anyway. I don't understand what I'm going through. I'm hurting. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have all my questions answered. But you're God and I'm not. And I trust you, so I'm going to worship you. You see what Habakkuk's choosing to do now as he closes out his lament, these three chapters. He says, come with me and let's praise the Lord together. I've written this song for us to sing together because we serve a great God. His fame is great. I stand in awe of him. Here, here's what he's decided. I sought his hands, but now I've decided to seek his face. Uh, instead of just giving my laundry list of what I need, Lord, do this for me, do this for me. Do, I just want to look at him and see his glory. And he decides to worship. He decides to worship God anyway, even though he doesn't fully understand what he's going through. Even though he's still in the midst of it. I'm going to worship you anyway. I've heard the report of you. I stand in awe of you. 
The psalmist in Psalm 29 writes, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Give him glory. Give him worship. It will lift you up from where you are. Some days I get up in the morning. I don't want, first of all, I don't want to get up. And then I get up and I don't want to, I look at my calendar of what's in front of me that day and I go, whoo, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. You ever get like that? You ever feel like that? And, but I've learned something. I've learned what David learned in the, first, the book of 1 Samuel. It says that when he was down, he learned to encourage himself in the Lord. Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to encourage yourself in the Lord? David knew how. I think one of the ways he did was he wrote songs. He was a musician. He would play songs and write them. So one of the things I've learned, I've got this little Bluetooth speaker that sits in my bedroom, and I'll, I'll, get, my, I'll get my phone, and I'll get my worship playlist. And so right before I get in the shower, I crank that thing. And, just, and I might not have my praise on yet, but before I get out of the shower, there's some singing going on. And my wife will come in. Because you can't be asleep in my house once I get up and start this, okay? Because she, she'll ask me, is it loud enough for you? And I'll go, well, it's as loud as it'll go, so yeah. <laughs> my wife still loves me anyway. I'm so glad. But I, I have to get my praise on, and it's, it's a habit I've learned in order to encourage myself and to go, Lord, strengthen me for today. And one of the things that strengthens me as a believer is to start the day with praise rather than with asking for help and asking for his hands to seek his face first, to, to ascribe to him his worth and his glory. And that's what Habakkuk finally decides. I've asked my questions, and I'm still hurting, but Lord, I'm going to praise you anyway. And that's what lament is. It's a pathway to praise. I'm hurting, but I still trust you. In the fall of 2001, it it had only been three months since my mother had passed away. She passed away at age 66 on July the 6th, 2001. And these months later, I was, I was a pastor. I was act, you know, actively working as a pastor, planning this church and, and serving in this church. And, um, but I, I thought I'd be better by then. You know, after three or four months, I thought I'd feel better. But it, I wasn't feeling better. My father died when I was eight years old. My mother died when I was in my early 40s, and I was aggravated at God. In fact, let me just be honest, I was, was angry with him. I didn't doubt him. I doubted his um, care for me at that moment. Like, you're not fair, Lord. You're, uh, you're, um, you're not being fair to me. And um, so I decided, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I got to hear from you. I need to hear from you. I'm going to seek your face. And so I started getting up early, and I decided, Lord, I'm going to do this until you, until you deal with me. And so I, I'm going to get up early, and I would drive to our office. We rented this old office building downtown. And it was, it was a rundown office building. Some of you that were with us in those days remember. And I would get in that office, and I would get down on my face on the carpet every morning by myself with the door locked in my office before anybody got there. And, uh, you know, Lord, speak to me. Get with me, Lord. Be with me, Lord. And uh, he would. But this particular morning, I was like, Lord, I've just got to be honest with you. I'm angry with you. I'm, uh, I'm upset with you. And I didn't hear anything. And I was laying on my face crying out to him. And 
all of a sudden, um, I felt something come into the room. Now, I've rarely ever talked about this because I don't like to talk about experiences. God doesn't do encores, and not, he's never done that before or since. But this particular day, after several weeks of me getting on my face before the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm hurting, and plus I'm ticked. And I believe in you, but you I don't feel like you've been fair with me. <laughs> I know you're probably thinking I probably should go to another church. This guy's messed up. Um, but something came in the room, and I say something because, you see, there's this word for glory in the Bible. It's the, it's the Hebrew word kabod. In fact, when there's no glory, the word is ichabod, ichabod, no glory. The glory is departed, but kabod means glory, God's glory. And it can also be translated heavy, heavy. God's glory is heavy. And something heavy came in that room and pressed down on me. It was bigger than anything. That, whatever came in that room was bigger than that room. And I just started crying. I said, okay, God, okay, okay, okay. I got no more questions. I got no more questions. Just let me breathe. Let me up. And he did. And I didn't get up and go laying on that old moldy floor anymore after that. I, I got my answer. His answer wasn't a word. It was, I'm God. I'm with you. I hear you. Right here I am. He gave me just a, you know, a glimpse of his glory. He's God and I'm not. Our lament turns into praise when we uh, worship and seek his face. Instead of seeking his hand, instead of seeking answers, sometimes it's just enough to say, God, you're God and I'm not. And I'm okay. Let me up, God. <laughs> Let me up. I want to follow you. That's the first way that lament can lead us to praise when we begin with worship. And that's where Habakkuk is. And then Habakkuk does this. He teaches us to remember, remember what God has done. So worship God for who he is. And then remember what he's done. And that's really what he's doing for verses 3 through 15. It's like, he, it's like he's written a collage or a montage of, uh, of other laments throughout the Bible or songs of praise throughout the Bible. It's like he did a mesh-up, a mash-up of, of the songs of Moses, the songs of Deborah, and the songs of David. And if, if you have a Jewish background, you would have been like, I'm, okay, that's about the Ten Commandments and the Mount Sinai. Okay, well, that's about when they were going through the wilderness. So well, that's when the seas were parted, the Red Sea was parted. And, that, and so that's what it is. He... He's remembering what God has done, and he's reminding God that, hey, I, I know you've done these things, and I believe it. And he's reminding God, God, you're my hero, and I see what you've done. And so, so if you look at verse 2, as I think verse 2 is really the key to understanding these, these 15 verses. I've heard the report of you. I, I worship you. I, I, I fear you. But then he says, I've heard the report of your work. So now he begins to number the, some of the works of God. And he remembers them, some of these works. And so I, I want to go through these quickly rather than just digging in on each one because we'll be here for a while if I dig in on each one because we'll have to read all the stories that he's pointing to. But let's do it like the Jewish believers would have done it. They know the stories already. And so when they're singing the song, all these images are popping in their head. 
And so like verses three through five, uh, God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. So that's, that's in the Sinai Peninsula, just above the Red Sea, where they first led uh, the Israelites. Moses led the Israelites and they stopped at Mount Sinai and he goes up on the mountain and there's lightning bolts and thunder and he goes up there and he gets the Ten Commandments. That's verses three and four. Okay, those cities, Mount Paran, Timon, those are all places in the Sinai Peninsula. And so then he keeps going. So like verse, verse five, before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. Now that's Korah's rebellion. You read about that. Korah uh, was one of the, of the people who was saying, why don't we get to lead? Moses, why are you the leader? I feel like I could be the leader. And they rebel and God sends a plague upon the people. And so he's pointing to that. So they're taking this journey. They've left Mount Sinai. They're going north up towards the promised land on the east side of the Jordan River. And the plague of, Kor- of, of uh, the rebellion of Korah takes, takes place in Numbers 16. And then verses 6 and 7 seem to be talking about the conquest of the land of Canaan. Because now he talks about the, uh, the land of Kushan and the land of Midian. And so now he's moved up past the Sinai Peninsula. He's going up on the, on the east side of the River Jordan, going towards the north. And he's just talking about, this is the Israelites doing it, but God's the hero making it happen. Okay? So he's describing how they overthrew uh, the Midianites and that land of Kushan, which is the same, same area. And then he continues. He gets into verse 8 and 9, uh, the first part of, of 9. And he, and he puts it in... Um, in question form, which makes it very interesting because these are rhetorical questions. It's like, God, were you mad at the Red Sea when you parted it? Were you mad at the River Jordan? Were you angry with the River Jordan when you parted it? Because it could be either of those stories. I think it's probably, first of all, uh, whenever he parted the Red Sea and he allowed the Israelites to go across on dry land and then he closed it back whenever the, the, the Pharaoh's army came and followed. So this is God heroically moving. And this is how he's telling the story. God's doing all this. God's doing all this. Or it could be, so that's back in Exodus, or it could be in Joshua when God reproduced a similar miracle in order to show that his hand was upon Joshua. Moses has died. Now Joshua is crossing and going. He's going west across the Jordan River. And if you remember that story, God parted the Jordan River. He does that. And so it could be either of those stories, but that's, they're singing about it. He's saying, come sing with me about, let's remember together the miracles that God has done in the past. See what's happening. That's what he's talking about. And so he goes, were you, were you angry when you parted the Red Sea? Like, like that. He just kind of, kind of puts it in this kind of particular. And then he goes uh, in, in, in verse, uh, verse 9. He says, and the deep gave forth, I'm sorry, verse 10. Uh, the deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hand. The mountains saw you and writhed. Verse, latter part of verse 9. You split the earth with rivers. This seems to be talking about where Moses was told by God, the people were thirsty, and he says, I want you to take your staff and strike the rock, and a river of water will come out. So that, that's, that, that's what he's singing about there. So he's singing about how he miraculously brought forth water from the rock. That's from Exodus chapter 17. And then uh, he, he, he keeps talking. Verse 11, okay, verse 11. The sun and the moon stood still in their place. Now he's talking about the solar miracle that Joshua called for when he was fighting the battle at, at Gibeon against the Amorites in Joshua chapter 10. So you see what he's doing. He, he's telling the stories of how God heroically saved his people and gave them the land of Canaan. And then he switches from talking about these, these 
miracles of nature in verses 13 through 15, and now the miracles of how God acted heroically against Israel's enemies. Okay? I went really quick through all that, didn't I? But that's really kind of the way it's supposed to be read. We're supposed to be familiar with these stories because we're God's people, and when we see the imagery, we have to go, oh, I see what he's doing. He's leading us to sing a song of of all the heroic, miraculous deeds that God has done in the past. That's what's happening. And he calls us to this, and he's teaching us something that this helps us. When we remember what God has done in the past, it increases our faith. It says in the book of Psalms, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great. What God is great like our God. This is is what we're called to. In fact, Jesus teaches us to do this. As the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, what I received from the Lord... I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You see, we're a forgetful people. We're forgetful. And one of the reasons we gather weekly is to remind each other of what Jesus has done for us, what God has done for us. And we even offer on Sunday mornings the Lord's Supper, which was instituted by the Lord Jesus as a way of remembering, of remembrance of his miraculous sacrifice on the cross, which gives us salvation. And so one of the pathways through pain and through grief is worship, to seek his face, And another is to think of and be thankful for and remember what he's already done in the past. We get stuck in the moment. We forget what he's done. And and it's to remind ourselves to remember what he has done. Our lament turns into praise when we remember how far God has brought us. When I consider our church and I think about our church back in 1991, in the fall of 91, we first got the idea of planting a church in eastern North Carolina in a little place called Wilson, and we had seven people meet in my living room, and two of them were me and my wife. We were big, right? You know. Then we started growing, and an upstairs bedroom was a nursery. And then we needed a youth group, so we opened up our garage, and the church started in our, in our house. We still live in that same house. We're right here. God called us here. 32 years later, here we are. And God, when I think about it all, there were times where I'm like, God, get me out of here. This is too hard. But I wouldn't take anything for those moments now because I see what God, when I remember how far God has brought us, church, I'm thankful. It it helps me. And when I see what God has done in the past, it reminds me of who God is and that God's not finished. God's not finished with you. He's not finished with me. Do you see when you look at your life, do you see God's work in your past? Do you see where God has been at work in your past? Maybe even in your most painful moments. Oh, he's at work. Remember, this is one of the pathways to understanding and growing and moving your pain into praise. And then finally, and it leads to this, trust that God is working now. When we, when we recognize who he is 
and all the works he's done, we, we, also, we also trust that he's working right now. He's at work right now. now look at what Habakkuk says. Remember I told you verse 2 really helps us understand this chapter 3. He says, in the midst of the years, revive it. In other words, in the middle of my years, in other words, in the present, could you, these things you did back in the day, could you do them again? Could you bring back those miracles? Could you, act, could you act as our hero again, Lord? Could you move miraculously in my life today? Would you revive it again, Lord? Uh, in the midst of the years, would you make it known? I, I'm going to sing a song to, to you about all the things you've done, but would you do it again, Lord? In my life? In my family's life? Now, Lord, I, I've, I've seen all these miracles, and not only that, because we, we're New Testament believers, we've seen the miracles of Jesus. And, Lord, I've seen, I've seen and read about what you've done. Would you do it again? Revive it, Lord. In the midst of the years, like right in the middle of my situation, would you act miraculously? That's what he's asking. That word revive could be translated to quicken, to, re- to refresh, uh, uh, to bring it back. Would you do it again, Lord? As you were in the days of old, would you do it again? He believes that God will work again. He believes that God's still at work, that God is not an absentee landlord. That he's still active, he's on the throne, and he's still sovereign, he's still at work. And he adds this, it's, it's beautifully, in the midst of the years, revive it. Revive what? Your work. You have to go back. And your work, O oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it, what? Your work. Revive what? The report of you, your, your, your fame. Lord, in the midst of my years, would you bring back your fame, your glory, and your work? And would you make it plain so nobody can miss it? And then this little addendum. In wrath, though, remember mercy. Because if you bring it back, if you move like you did in the past, I know that you'll move in judgment. But don't forget mercy. Now, maybe when he's saying don't forget mercy, he might have been saying, remember me. When you act, remember me. Remember us. But I think... He was actually calling on God to do something he already knows is true of God. He already knows it's true of God, that God's wrath, which is his righteous response to man's sin, his wrath is not like man's wrath. His wrath is not out of his control. Uh, He's not like an angry man who, who acts out of control like man's wrath. His wrath is a righteous, just response to man's sin that he holds back until he must act according to his timing, and his mercy mediates his wrath so that we see it blended on the cross, don't we? We see on the cross the, trans, uh, the, the, the transaction, if you will, the intersection between God's holy judgment and God's merciful love that he judged our sin in the person of Jesus. So all of our sin, and as we learned last week, all of our woes of judgment fell on Jesus so he could show mercy to us. 
And so he's, here's, here's Habakkuk, he hasn't seen, he doesn't know Jesus, this is before Jesus, but he by faith knows his God and he says, God, when you judge, remember to be merciful. And then we see these little, these little snippets, these little foreshadowings in like verse eight, we see the word salvation. And then we see it twice. We see the verse, uh, in verse 13, we see the, the word salvation twice in verse 13. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. I just, God, I just trust that even though Babylon's coming to judge us, I, pray, I just trust that what you're doing is what you've done in the past, that you're bringing your salvation for your anointed and so certainly when he uses the word anointed, he, he first of all has to be talking, uh, the, word, the word means the idea of be anointed with oil, which means to be chosen by, to be called by, ordained by. And, and so he's probably talking about God's uh, chosen people. And God, I, I just pray that whenever you bring your judgment, you would in mercy remember your anointed people. And so he's probably talking about that. But there's kind of a, a little challenge with interpreting that way because the word anointed is in the, in the Hebrew, it's in the masculine singular. And we don't have these kinds of things, these kinds of features in our English language, but if you've studied French or Spanish or, or any Latin language, they, they have masculine plural, masculine singular, uh, feminine plural, feminine. They have these different voicings and tenses and and, and, and when you look at it in the Hebrew, it's in the masculine singular, which means it means the anointed one, singular, which could have meant that he's talking, because he's talking a lot about things that Moses was the leader of, and so certainly Moses was anointed by God, but I think he's talking about something else, because the Hebrew word for anointed one is Messiah, and that's what that word is. It's in the masculine singular. He says, would you... Bring out your salvation, the salvation of the anointed one, the Messiah, which in the Greek in the New Testament is Christos, which we translate Christ, the anointed one. This is before Jesus. He goes, would you, in our time, would you make known your salvation through the anointed one? And he did. And even what he does with Israel at this time, even what he does with Judah during this time, he's bringing to pass the coming of the anointed one, the coming of the Messiah. And, and Habakkuk is learning that, you know what? Even in the midst of this trial and trouble, God's still at work. He's at work right now. He's at work right now. You might not see it, but he's at work right now, bringing to pass his salvation Whenever Jesus was asked about the Father's working, here's what he said in John 5, 17. But Jesus replied, my Father is always working, and so am I. <laughs> you might be sitting here going, God, would you do it again? And God's saying, I'm doing it right now. You might not see it, but I'm already at work. And I'm bringing to pass that which will bring salvation. So how can we apply this to our life? How can we learn from what Habakkuk has learned here? I believe one of the ways is we can pray like he did. We can say, Lord, revive me. Revive me. Bring back quicken to life in me so, so that I have more faith, so that I have a more mature faith. Revive me. 
and then revive us corporately, revive our church. Revive us so that we see you move, that, that Jesus is our hero, and that we see you bringing your merciful salvation to this world. Lord, revive us. And then as, as, let revival begin with us and let it pour out to the other churches in, in Wilson County, the churches that are preaching the gospel, and say, let's join arms in collaboration and let's say, God, bring revival to Wilson. Bring, bring revival to Eastern North Carolina. That's, we can pray like that. Even in the midst of what we're going through, God, I know you're at work. I know you desire that, that all men and women and children hear your gospel. How can we give every person multiple opportunities to hear, see, and respond to the gospel? And revive us, Lord. And then we can also pray as, as Habakkuk prayed, God, in your wrath, remember mercy. Because I know when you begin to wrap everything up, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. He came the first time in mercy. He came the first time as Savior, as a Lamb of God. But when He comes again, He comes as King of kings to judge the earth and to, to take those unto Himself that are the anointed ones of God because they believed in the anointed one. He's coming again. God's at work. He's at work now. He's been at work in the past. We can, we can worship him for that. We can remember it. We can believe he's at work right now. And ultimately, he will wrap it all up. That's what we believe as, as Christians. And so it gives us power to move our pain to praise. It gives us a pathway. It reminds me of the song that we've sang many times here. It's called Waymaker. Uh, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And then it goes to this verse, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. God's at work. The reason you might not notice it today is because you haven't leaned in and and remembered and looked to his face and, and remembered how he's worked in your past and trusting him that he's at work in your future. Because when you do, trust me, trust what God's word says in Habakkuk. It turns our lament, it turns our pain into praise. God's at work. God's at work. He's not finished. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we worship you even now, even when we don't understand everything, even when life doesn't always make sense and when it hurts. You're God, and we trust you. Lord, help us. Help move us to that place of praise. I pray for those that are here today that might be hurting. Lord, that you'd show them a pathway to praise, a, a place of joy so that even in our grief, we still do so with hope. And then, Lord, um, I pray for that one that might not know you today. A way of salvation has been made through Jesus. Would you, would you receive him today? Would you decide today 
I want Christ as my Savior. I, I want him as my Lord. You could pray that right now. Prayer is just expressing your faith with words. Would you pray with me, dear Lord Jesus? Pray right in your seat. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, that you were raised from the grave. I believe that. Come and live in me. Make me the person you want me to be. I want to be adopted into the family as a child of God. I want to follow you all the days of my life as my Lord and Savior. If you're praying that prayer of faith, believing he'll save you, make you his own. Others are here, and, and you, you love the Lord. You're a follower of Jesus, but maybe you're stuck somewhere on the path. Maybe you're like I was at one time. You're kind of angry at God about something or hurt or grieving or you have questions cry out to the lord he's listening he's at work he loves us lord hear us now in jesus name amen